Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling from the Crowd. My name is Ray, and this is episode 12. Like always, I just want to take a moment to thank all of you who are still listening and downloading the podcast. We are now 500 plus downloads, and that's a big accomplishment for me. Like I always say, I didn't think I'll make it this far. I started off as a side project. Now it's something I do every week. Remember, if you want to contact me, you can message me on Twitter at Wrestling From or on Facebook at Ray Colazzo. Now we move on to wrestling. This week is Survivor Series weekend. Survivor Series is this Sunday. So we have a lot to talk about. We had Raw, who, you know, filled up some spots. There were some changes. We had SmackDown, who filled up some spots. NXT was pretty good this week. AEW was good this week. We also had an NXT Women's Championship match on NXT UK in a first-time-ever Falls Count Anywhere. So we have a lot to cover. So let's get it started with Raw. Raw this week kicks off with Drew McIntyre. Drew tells what he's thankful for and then says he's thankful for the doubters. He says Roman cares only about himself. Then Orton interrupts him on the big screen and says he's thankful for being the 14-time world champion. He's thankful for the fine WWE gave him for putting his hands on Adam Pearce. Then says he's been suspended more times than anyone ever has. He goes on to say he will retain. Then Drew says, I think you forgot about the most three dangerous letters in wrestling, the RKO. Drew was gonna leave and then the Miz and Morrison came out. They say that they will be front and center for that championship match tonight. Then The Miz says that The Fiend is scared of him. That's why he didn't show up last week. He says change is coming and then Drew moves closer and Miz and Morrison begin to leave the ring. Then he says when Drew loses, he'll be having the last laugh. So is it possible that we could see a Miz cash in tonight? Or did The Miz just pick a fight with The Fiend that he doesn't really want to go forward with? We obviously know that Bray Wyatt, The Fiend is not going to let The Miz, you know, say such bad things about him. Especially saying that he's scared of him because we all know The Fiend is scared of no one. So I'm pretty sure we're going to get some retaliation tonight from The Fiend and Bray Wyatt. Now we move on to the first match of the evening, which is Lana, Nia Jax, and Shayna Baszler versus Mandy, Dana Brooke, and Asuka. Before the match, Nia and Baszler told Lana that you are not to tag in this match. So let's see if Lana actually follows the rules this time. At the start of this match, we see Shayna and Nia in control early. Then they begin to attack that injured arm of Mandy. We know last week that Mandy landed wrong on that shoulder and I think she's still hurt. Then we see Shayna Baszler smash her arm into the steel steps and after this you don't see Mandy Rose anymore. It's pretty much just a three-on-two handicap match at this point. We see when we're back from break Shayna is in control until Dana counters her and tags in Asuka who then takes control. The end match we see Lana then tag herself in when Baszler had the match won with the Karafuda clutch. Then Asuka counters Lana and taps her out with the Asuka lock. Then we see Nia upset and she clears off that announce table. Baszler then throws her out and then Nia says you know what I'm not gonna put you through the table and then says welcome to team raw she walks away and says psych and she then puts her through the announce table so the streak continues but now this brings me to my point of Mandy will no longer be a part of Survivor Series we all see that she's out they had her in this match I guess to write her off with an injury by Shayna Baszler because I know she really hurt herself last week and her not being a part of the rest of this match clearly shows that there's some kind of significant injury so I hope Mandy Rose gets better soon. Now we move on to a backstage segment where the men's Raw team is arguing backstage. Styles says if they continue the fight that they will lose at Survivor Series. Then says they should have a match against someone that no one likes and then he says you know what tonight you guys will face retribution. Then Team Raw just disbands. We see Riddle try to come back and give Styles bodyguard a nickname but AJ Styles says no. 
Then AJ says, have you been talking to him? And he says, how could you? You know what? You don't even speak English. And then he says, I do. And Styles replies, oh, how come you never told me? And AJ Styles' bodyguard replies with, you never ask. So AJ Styles never knew his own bodyguard could speak English. And then he's like, I have so much to ask you. So I think they're going to keep playing along with that, that AJ Styles now knows that his bodyguard can speak English. We head to another backstage segment where we see Dana Brooke is waiting for Mandy Rose in the medical center. And then out of nowhere, she is attacked by Retribution's Reckoning, aka Mia Yim. So this is truly the first time they use Mia Yim since she's got to the main roster a part of Retribution. They used her to have that little twitch in the ring that one time. But after that, they had nothing to do with her. This is the first time they truly used her to do something physical. So I'm glad we get to see a little bit of Mia Yim. I hope we truly get to see more of her. After that, we head to the Firefly Funhouse. Bray Wyatt says the Miz is not nice and then says he wants to help Miz with his issues and give him a super special lesson in manners. Alexa then goes on to say it will be Bray versus is Miz tonight. Bray says the Miz should pay attention because if he has to repeat himself again, he will see his bad side. And then we get a montage of Bray Wyatt getting ready for his match by beating up his friends. He even has a spelling bee spelling the word jackass. And then he puts Rambling Rabbit on the dartboard. And Rambling Rabbit's like, hey, you know, I trust you. Like, this is safe, right? And he says, yeah, it's fine. He ends up throwing the dart and it pierces Rambling Rabbit's heart. And then they just laugh about it. And that's how the Firefly Funhouse ends. So we will be getting Miz versus Bray Wyatt. I told you, he's not going to let any of that go unnoticed. He's not scared of anybody, and he's not going to let The Miz disrespect him and make him feel like he's weak or even stronger than The Fiend. So we have to expect that tonight that Miz probably won't be able to cash in because Bray Wyatt will probably destroy him. Now we move on to the next match of the evening. It is the Hurt Business, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin versus The New Day for the Raw Tag Team titles. We see Cedric Alexander start off this match hot until Kofi builds up some momentum to then tag in Woods. We see a back and forth contest early. Woods later on gives the hot tag to Kofi Kingston who changes the tide. When we come back from break Shelton Benjamin is in control until Kofi counters him with a DDT from the top rope. Then Kofi tags in Woods who comes in hot taking the fight to the Hurt Business. We then see Cedric begin to build some momentum by hitting two suicide dives on Kofi. He barely hit the first one but he was able to hit the second one. On that second suicide dive we see Shelton Benjamin blind tag Cedric Alexander while he delivers that dive to Kofi Kingston. Then he delivers a vicious clothesline and then puts Kofi back in the ring to hit an Olympic slam for a near fall. We then see Cedric get tagged in to continue the attack, but he can't put away Kofi at all. Then Kofi reverses Alexander to build some momentum. Then he takes out Shelton Benjamin with a trouble in paradise. He then tags in Woods. They hit the daybreak on Cedric Alexander to retain their Raw Tag Team Championships. So at Survivor Series, it will still be the Street Profits versus the New Day. Now me personally, I want to see the Hurt Business win this. The Hurt Business has been with us since COVID started, since this COVID era has begun, and they've been leading Raw for a long time, and I thought that this was their moment. They should have put the titles on them to be like, hey, thank you for doing all of this during this time when there was really nothing good happening. Retribution was one of the best things Raw had after Seth Rollins, and I think they truly deserved it, but I guess they're probably going to wait. They probably want to do just Street Profits versus The New Day. It's never happened before, but I'm sure after Survivor Series, they will get those tag team titles from them. Then we head to a backstage segment where Sheamus calls over Drew McIntyre. He then says he got us something for him. He says it's a gift. It's a surprise. Something that was lost. And then Sheamus reveals a trunk with items. And then Drew McIntyre reminisces. He turns around and Sheamus was holding a sword. And, you know, in all retrospective, it was a Claymore sword. And then he says, this is yours. So what was in that trunk was Drew McIntyre's old clothing. His 
old attire from back in the days, his blue kilt. And, you know, I think this is going to be a part of his entrance tonight during his championship match against Randy Orton. So expect to see something new from Drew McIntyre. Now we move on to the next match, which is Team Raw versus Retribution. We see before the match, Ali speaks. He says that Raw thinks that they are pawns, but pawns can take down a king. He says he doesn't have to shut down Team Raw. They will do that themselves. So Ali is implying that Team Raw will implode, which ha- they've been doing for the past couple of weeks. They haven't been on the same page at all. And he feels like they just have to sit back and they'll win the match without even having to do anything. So now we head towards the match. We see Riddle in control of Slapjack early. Then Slapjack makes a tag to T-Bar, but Riddle keeps up his control. We see Riddle try to make a tag to someone on Team Raw, but then we see Sheamus knock away Strowman's hand, and then Strowman knocks Sheamus off the apron when Riddle was going to tag in Strowman. Sheamus then pulls him off the apron and proceed to argue. Then Styles gets involved, but when he says he's the captain, Strowman pushes him, and AJ Bodyguard catches him. He was going to step up to Strowman, but AJ stopped it. When we come back from break, T-Bar is in control of Riddle, and then Mace is tagged in to retain control. We see Mustafa Ali get tagged in, then he starts to taunt AJ, who's at the commentary table. Riddle tries to mount some offense, but Ali shuts it down with a neck breaker, and then says, AJ, I'm going to show you how a team works. We see Riddle finally tag in Keith Lee, then he takes out Retribution single-handedly. He sends T-Bar and Mace to the outside, but they yank him out, and then they were going to hit him with a double chokeslam, but Lee stops them. Then Ali hits a suicide dive out of nowhere on Keith Lee to stop his momentum. We see Braun Strowman then take out Mason T-Bar, then chases Slapjack, who then eats a bro kick. Then we see Keith Lee put him inside the ring. He was going to put his finisher on him when Sheamus tags himself in to set up for the bro kick. Then Strowman tags himself in. He then picks up Ali to get him for that power slam. Then Sheamus pulls Ali down and Strowman just throws Sheamus out of the ring. We see Riddle tag himself in, which upsets Strowman. He then shoves Matt Riddle and then Matt Riddle gets up. He steps to Strowman. Ali then pushes Riddle into Strowman, who knocks Keith Lee off the apron. Then Ali rolls up Riddle to get the win. So we see Team Raw implode. Ali said it. He said all we had to do was just let them fight amongst each other. And this is Retribution's first win on Raw since they started as a team. So this could be, uh, you know, something good for them. Maybe this, you know, just incites a win streak for Retribution. And Team Raw, they just have a lot to work on because if they're still fighting at Survivor Series, it's going to be a really, really bad night for Team Raw. Let me tell you something while we're on the topic of Survivor Series. This has probably been the most boring buildup to Survivor Series. Last year's Survivor Series buildup was invasions, invasions. There's always been invasions, but nothing has happened on Raw. No SmackDown superstars invaded. The only thing that really happened was Drew McIntyre going over to SmackDown and telling Roman that he's going to fight him. That's the only thing that happened. There has been no extreme buildup. There usually is. There's always some brawls. I mean, I guess SmackDown has one more show before Survivor Series. So let's hope that they give us some buildup because I'm really not excited for Survivor Series this year because there's truly not a lot of buildup around it. There's not, there's no hype around it. Last year's was hype. NXT invaded. They invaded NXT. There was a lot going on and this year there's not a lot going on. They're not really playing at the fact where people are like, hey, let's go invade SmackDown. Let's go invade Raw. Nothing has happened. There's truly no buildup. I know I just said that, but it's just very upsetting because this is my favorite pay-per-view of the year and nothing is happening for me to be like, damn, I really can't wait. So I hope that Friday Night SmackDown has something that gets me interested in like, okay, this is what I've been needing so that way I can be hyped for Survivor Series. Now we head backstage where Nikki Cross is still looking for Alexa Bliss. We know that Alexa Bliss got her choices last week. Nikki said it's either him or me and Alexa Bliss chose The Fiend. So I don't know why she's still looking for him. I guess, like I said a couple weeks ago, this is going to play 
play out into a storyline where she's trying to save Alexa. Then, through that same segment, we see Jeff Hardy ripping down some flyers that Elias created about Hardy hitting him with a car. Later on, we see Jeff Hardy approach Elias in a locker room, and Elias says he's been looking for the person who did it. Then Elias says, Jeff, you and I both know you hit me with that car. And Jeff then throws him against the locker and holds him by the beer and says, let this be a warning to you. I did not hit you with that car. So their feud still probably is going to continue. I'm sure it's not over with this segment. Elias is probably not just going to let him you know, throw him around like that. So expect to see another Elias versus Jeff Hardy match. Now we move on to The Miz versus Bray Wyatt. We see before the match even starts, The Miz tries to make peace with Bray Wyatt before the match starts. Then he says that they should work together to take out Randy Orton. Then Alexa Bliss comes out and she says he says no. Then we see Nikki Cross come out and try to talk her into leaving The Fiend. Then Alexa says you're right and then slaps Nikki and then they begin to brawl until the officials break it up. Then Bray Wyatt comes out and Alexa goes from angry to excited and then Bray Wyatt just stares at Nikki Cross. So we see the trance that Alexa's in. As soon as she hear Bray Wyatt's music she goes from angry to just happy and dancing all over the place. We hear Bray say he will forgive The Miz and he extends his hand and then The Miz kicks the hand of Bray Wyatt and then The Miz goes on the offensive until Bray stops it with the crossbody. We see Morrison try to sneak attack Bray but when he does Bray just stares at him. Miz begins to build some momentum. He hits a DDT then goes for a cover and Bray kicks out at one. We see The Miz counter the sister Abigail but then eats a vicious clothesline. Then Bray hits a flurry. He then sets up for sister Abigail but Morrison grabs his leg and then Alexa Bliss out of nowhere just pounces on Morrison knocking him over the barricade along with herself. Then we see Wyatt concerned for Alexa. Miz tries to capitalize with an attack in the corner and Bray just looks at him. He then grabs him by the neck and then delivers a sister Abigail. Then Alexa pops up from behind the barricade. She has a vicious smile. Then she walks the barricade and then her and Wyatt walk up the ramp. Then the lights go red and we see the fiend appear on the big screen. So we knew that the Miz was going to have to fight Bray Wyatt. We knew that he wasn't going to win that match. He tried to put on a good fight, but we ended up seeing Bray Wyatt win this. Now, what's next for The Miz? I don't truly think he's cashing in tonight. He's probably going to cash in at Survivor Series. He has Roman and Drew McIntyre both in the same ring, so that'd probably be a good opportunity for him to do it. Now, we have backstage where we hear Adam Pearce say Mandy and Dana are no longer a part of Team Raw because of Mandy's injury and Dana being attacked by Reckoning. They will be replaced with Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans. Now, I truly don't know how I feel about that. You could have put Mia Yim on that team, but I guess, you know, you had these two women already try to qualify. You could have put someone else. You could have put Nikki Cross, but you're trying to put these two girls. You're trying to force this tag team down our throat. We hate it. You could have just kept the Iconics, but you ended up breaking them up to have some crappy tag team between Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. Then we see Nia and Shayna are mad about it. Nia is basically more mad at Shayna for hurting Mandy because now she has to be replaced with two people they didn't want on this team at all. So these two are still bickering at who's team captain and, you know, Shayna's more upset at Nia and Nia's upset at Shayna. So it's just a back and forth thing between these two. Now they have to cope with two other people they don't want on Team Raw for Survivor Series. We head backstage once again for an Asuka interview. She's actually, you know, how does she feel about Sasha Banks at Survivor Series? Then she starts speaking in Japanese all frantically. Then she says she will beat Sasha Banks at Survivor Series because no one is ready for Asuka. So I think that's going to be a good match. I see Sasha Banks coming out with the win in this one. Sasha Banks really doesn't ever beat Asuka. So I think this is the time we build up Sasha Banks and have her finally beat Asuka. Now we move on to the main event of the evening. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. We see Drew McIntyre 
McIntyre get a special entrance with his old attire. He even puts the claymore in the ground and an explosion happens. And then Randy Orton's entrance come around. It's just a normal, regular Randy Orton entrance. We see both men lock up immediately. Drew gets the best of that exchange and then tries to lock up again and Randy hits a cheap shot. But Drew stops his momentum with a Glasgow kiss. Then Orton slides out the ring. He grabs his title and tries to walk off, but Drew stops him. Drew goes for a claymore, but Randy ducks and then he slides out the ring to leave again. And then Adam Pearce comes out and says, this match is now a no count out and no DQ match. We see a back and forth contest when back from break. Orton involves a chair and then takes control. And then he starts to attack that once injured jaw of Drew McIntyre. We see Orton try to pin Drew multiple times, but can't get the three. Then the fight spills to the outside where Orton slams Drew onto the barricade. Then he hits him with a steel steps. He then tries to bring him in the ring and go for the cover, but Drew ends up kicking out. We see Drew try to mount some offense, but Orton gives him a thumb to the eye and then drops him on the announce table. He then climbs up on it and rains down shots onto Drew McIntyre, then drops him on the table once again. He then tries again and Drew counters to mount some offense. Then he slams Orton onto the table multiple times and goes for the Claymore, but Orton moves, so Drew crashes on the announce table. We see Orton then set up a table during picture-in-picture. Picture. Then Drew McIntyre builds some momentum tossing around Orton. Orton hits a suplex and then goes for the cover, but Drew kicks out once again. So Orton can't pick up a fall over Drew McIntyre. We see Drew then hit the Future Shock DDT for a near fall. Drew then pushes Orton off the apron and then Orton goes through the table. Drew then brings him inside the ring for a near fall and goes for a Claymore, but Orton just counters it again. Then he hits a Power Slam. He then does a draping DDT on the announcement table. He brings Drew back into the ring to deliver another one and he sets up for the RKO but then Drew counters that to hit a Claymore to regain his WWE Championship. So we will see Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns at Survivor Series and I think that's going to be a hell of a match. This was a hell of a match. I thought this was one of the better matches Raw has had in a truly truly long time and kudos to both of these men. We all knew Randy Orton was going to hold that title for so long. We knew he was just going to give it up eventually. They just wanted him to reach that 14 time mark and he did and I think he shouldn't pursue the championship anymore while Drew McIntyre holds it and let other people get the opportunity to fight Drew McIntyre for it we also didn't get a Miz cash in so I guess the Bray Wyatt match really took a lot out of him but don't sleep on it because I think at Survivor Series the Miz is going to cash in on Drew McIntyre and make it a really really short reign that's just my prediction it's my opinion it's not really might not really happen but that's what I want to happen I want Miz to finally become the WWE champion once again so that pretty much ends Raw. Raw was pretty good this week. There was really not a lot of buildup to Survivor Series. So that's kind of disappointing for me. But Raw this week was actually really good. They had some good matches, some good stories. And I'm really interested to see the direction they go after Survivor Series with Raw. So now we're going to move on to NXT. NXT this week kicked off with Leon Ruff versus Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. Now before the match, they show a Leon Ruff video package. Then Gargano comes out to interrupt and says that Ruff is not not a real champion but a joke and the joke is over then he blasts rough we seen gargano dominating early leon tries to build some momentum gargano tries to shut it off but can't we also seen some impressive showcase from leon ruff he was doing all these flips he was doing agile moves he was out there flying around i think he can have some potential in nxt and maybe they gave him this championship because he shows some promise and maybe he can be the future of nxt we see ruff try to beat johnny gargano with the same crucifix pin but gargano can counters. Then he blasts Ruff with a clothesline. Then he hits two lawn darts. He sets up for a finish and then he see Damian Priest standing at the top of the ramp which distracts him. Then Ruff rolls him up but Gargano kicks out to then super kick Ruff
Ruff. Then he hits the one final beat. He then goes for the pin attempt on Leon Ruff and Damian Priest pulls out Ruff. Then he says sorry kid before knocking him out. So the match ends up ending in DQ which means that Leon Ruff is still your North American champion. And I know Johnny Gargano is not happy because now this is twice that he got beat by this kid and it's all thanks to Damian Priest. So now my question is how long are they going to have Leon Ruff hold on to that North American championship? I feel like this is going to happen for a while. I feel like it's going to lead up to him versus Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano because remember Damian Priest still wants that championship back. So does Gargano and Leon Ruff has it. So just mark my words. I feel like this is going to be a triple threat match sooner than later for that North American championship. We head backstage where Cameron Grimes says he isn't afraid of Loomis. He says last week after blindfolding Dexter Loomis, we've seen he's just a regular man. So let's see if that's the case tonight when Cameron Grimes faced Dexter Loomis in a blindfold match, which happens now. We see Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis in a blindfold match. First time on NXT we see a blindfold match. We see Grimes attack with the blindfold, but he ends up missing a cross body. Then he smashes himself into a turnbuckle. Then he throws a punch at a referee as he was looking for Dexter Loomis. He traps the referee in a corner thinking it was Loomis. He then attacks the referee. He takes the blindfold off seeing he had knocked out the ref and then he notices Loomis is just standing there. Then he tries to sneak a cave-in and Loomis dodges with the mask on. Loomis then tosses Grimes around after Grimes pulled the mask off by accident. Then it becomes a Dexter Loomis beatdown. Then the fight spills to the outside. We see Loomis throw Grimes around the barricade. You know, those barricades have those steel cage, you know, structure around it. He then throws Cameron Grimes into the last barricade and Grimes, instead of getting hit with the barricade, he ends up climbing it and running away from Dexter Loomis. So he was able to escape tonight, but I don't think he's going to be able to escape for long. You know, it's kind of interesting to say that I actually like this feud between Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. I think it's very interesting. And every week they play it differently. It never feels the same. So I hope they continue this because I'm actually a fan of this feud so far. Now we head backstage where Regal and Priest are talking. Regal says, what are you doing, Priest? Priest just says, you know, I might have had a little too much fun out there. I'm tired of Gargano thinking he's the man. He was just joking around. Then Leon comes and says, I'm a joke to you. If I can't defend or retain it on my own, I shouldn't be the champion. Then he says, here, Regal, take my title and you can rip up my contract. Regal says, absolutely not. Damian Priest then says, I'm sorry, you misinterpreted. And then Leo Ruff steps up to him and then smacks him. And then he says, I'm nobody's joke. Regal tells Priest serves him right. So I told you, we're on a collision course with Leon Ruff, Damian Priest, and Johnny Gargano. And Leon Ruff shows a lot of heart by smacking Damian Priest. Damian Priest is an intimidating man. And for him to do that shows he got some heart and he's ready to do anything to keep that North American championship. Now, here comes the best news of the night. Tonight, officially announced NXT War Games. And this is one of my favorite NXT pay-per-views. I think War Games has been phenomenal each time they had it. They had it a lot of them with the UE. It's mostly been UE. So I feel like the, the story here is the UE is going to take on the kings of NXT at War Games. I'm really excited. And it's happening pretty fast. I think it's happening like December 9th. Some, somewhere close to that. But I'm really excited for War Games. So now we're going to have ourselves some build up for teams to compete inside of War Games. And I know that War Games, anything NXT TakeOver style is fantastic. They really have never had a bad pay-per-view. And they always, you know, show out. They have the superstars go and make sure that people realize that NXT is its own brand and they can do anything the main roster could do. So I'm really excited that War Games is announced. Now we move on to the next match of the evening, which is Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell versus Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. We see Carter. 
Carter and Casey in control with great tag team offense. Then LeRae gets tagged in to shut down Casey's momentum. Then Indy Hartwell comes in to continue that dominance. We've seen frequent tags from Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae, which kept them in control. We've seen a hot tag later on to Carter, who changes the match to her favor. Then she goes for a move, but Candice LeRae dodges. She sets up for the wicked stepsister. Casey Catanzaro tries to get in the ring and stop it, but eats a big boot from Indy Hartwell, which allowed Candice LeRae to hit the wicked stepsister and then go for the pinfall for the win. Now, this was a relatively short match, and I think this was just to build up Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae, because at War Games, I think it was announced that it would be Team Candice versus Team Shotzi at War Games, so we will have ourselves a female War Games this year. I don't think we've had one before, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is our first women's War Games. No, I lied, I lied. This is not the first women's War Game. We had uh, Team Rhea Ripley in War Games before. I, I truly believe that's the case, but if I'm wrong, correct me, because I feel like we've had one before. So, I feel like these two teams are going to, you know, be really stacked. I know Shotzi's probably going to have Tony Storm and Ember Moon and girls like that, while Candice LeRae has Indy Hartwell, girls like Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez. So, these two teams can be really stacked, just like the men's team. So, I'm really interested to see what the women's war games will be like this year. Now, we move on to the next match with this Arthur Ruaz versus Kushida. It was a technical start for both men. We see Arthur get the advantage, then they lock up again. Kushida starts to throw some kicks to start up some momentum, but Arthur Ruaz stops it. We see Kushida finally build some momentum after countering an Irish whip. Kushida locks on a jumping hoverboard lock, but Ruaz counters, then tries a leg lock, but Kushida turns it into a pin for the win. So this was a relatively quick match. Once again, that's two quick matches in a row, but it was more of a technical match. It was more of a showcase, so that way we could see Kushida's grappling, his ground game, his technical side of him, which we've seen a lot, but I guess they want to showcase it more with Arthur Ruaz, who that's his main game is, you know, technical, is ground game, which is submission, stuff like that. So we see Kushida still on a hot streak. He hasn't really lost yet. He is in that winner column. I think his streak is like five so far. And like I said, soon he's going to go after a championship. There's no way he's not. I hope to see him, you know, fight for the North American Championship or the NXT Championship because I feel like he can hold the company. He's done a lot, you know, in his career, especially with New Japan. He's done a lot for ROH. He's been the Super Junior Champion. He's been a lot of things in his wrestling career. So I feel like he can do a lot more for NXT than some of them are really offering him. I feel like they, you know, held him back just a little bit. They're keeping him away from championship gold. I feel like he needs to just rush forward and take that championship opportunity whenever it comes to him. After that, we head backstage where we hear Ember saying she's tired of Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Then Storm says she agrees, but tells Ember when it comes to the NXT Women's Championship, she's going to get it. And then Ember Moon says, you know what? We can talk about that after we beat these two women. So now we move on to the next match, which is Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon and Tony Storm. We see Raquel take advantage over Storm early. Then she tags in Kai to hold the control. Then Storm builds up some well-needed momentum. Kai tries to stop it, but can't. We see Ember gets tagged in and she comes in hot, but the control shifted during picture in picture. We see Ember Moon get the tag once again. She changes the control. She then goes for a pin, but Kai pulls her off. Then she chases Kai and Raquel Gonzalez then catches Ember Moon with a big boot to regain the control once again. We see Kai get distracted by Tony Storm, which allows Ember to get the best of her. Then she makes a hot tag to Tony Storm. The end match was all women hit big moves. All women are down. Then Kai and Storm get up first. We see Raquel Gonzalez toss Storm into the ring post. Then Ember does a dive taking out Gonzalez. Then Kai goes for a finisher, but Storm gets her with an inside cradle to pick up the win. Then as they're leaving, Hartwell and Lorraine attack 
attacks Thorn and Ember Moon from behind. They then toss them into the ring where Gonzalez destroys them. So, like I said, we're setting up for war games. So I know that, you know, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez will be on team Candice LeRae. This is like her initiation. This is her peace offering. Like, hey, I'm going to give you these two women and you in exchange join my team at war games. So I feel like we already got four women for war games. And that's Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, Candice LeRae, and Indy Hartwell. Now they just need four women for team Shotzi Blackheart. And like I said, I think we already have Ember Moon, Tony Storm, and I don't know who that last person could truly be. So like I always say, we'll just have to wait and see. Then they head backstage where we see the kings of NXT arrive. They say they're here to hear from their NXT champion, Finn Balor. So there must be something up their sleeve since they want to listen to Finn Balor speak. So we'll just have to wait till the rest of the night to see. Now we move on to the next match of the evening, which is Timothy Thatcher versus August Gray. We see both men battle early, but Gray gets the advantage until Thatcher hits a belly to belly to take control. We see late match that August Gray tries to build some momentum, but Thatcher stops it with an uppercut. Then Thatcher taps out Gray with a choke. Then after the match, he attacks Gray again, and then we hear Champa's music play. He comes out, he's walking down to the ring slowly. Him and Thatcher face off. Then Thatcher says he has no problem with him and leaves, and then Tommaso Champa just stares at Timothy Thatcher. So I feel like he wants to fight. Then we head backstage where Champa's acts like, what was that about? He says, I think I made it clear enough that I want to fight Timothy Thatcher. So we're going to get Timothy Thatcher versus Tommaso Champa soon. We remember that Champa said, you know, he wants to stop everybody from thinking who they, you know, they deserve something. He wants to stop all the whining and complaining and he wants people to truly step up. And he feels like he is the face of NXT and he is. And he wants to show people that they don't have to run around crying. They could just earn their spot. So now he's just going to pick a fight with anybody. So we're going to see him versus Timothy Thatcher real soon. Now we move on to the next segment of the night. We see Priest walking down for his match. Then Johnny Gargano attacks him from behind and Priest then begins to fight back. Then Priest and Gargano go at it. We then see Priest then grab a chair and as he was entering the ring, Leon Ruff attacks both men. I don't even think he meant to hit Damian Priest on purpose. I think Johnny Gargano moved. He ended up hitting him. Then he takes out Johnny Gargano and then he knocks both men out the ring. Then we see both men just, you know, staring at each other on the outside like, did we really just get knocked out the ring by this guy? And then they rush in the ring at the same time and then Leon Ruff just runs away knowing that there's trouble coming his way. And then, you know, we're like, why is Gargano and Priest staying in the ring at the same time until Priest finally notices and chases Gargano out of the ring? So, like I said, triple threat match incoming very soon. Then after this segment, we learn that next week, Wade Barrett will not be with us on NXT, but taking his place will be Kevin Owens. So Kevin Owens returned to NXT to join commentary next week. Now we head to two backstage segments. The first one is Regal knocks on Boa's door. He opens it. He looks terrible. Then he kept saying he's coming and then he closes the door. Uyghur was trying to ask like, where's Zia Lee? Why aren't you here? He just says he can't be here right now. He's not going to come to the performance center to train or nothing. And so, you know, they're playing off the storyline of that guy who came last week who put that marking on Boa. So maybe it was a curse. And then we noticed that Zia Lee hasn't been there for two weeks as well. So William Regal was just trying to get to the bottom of it. But I think we'll have to wait till next week to something else to happen. Then the next segment was we see Leon Ruff going to William Regal and he says he'll take on both of them at the same time, meaning Priest and Gargano. So we have ourselves a triple threat match for the North American champion incoming and I think it would happen at War Games. So look forward to that match. Now we move on to the main event of the evening. Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. And this match is 200 
than 61 days in the making, Rhea Ripley hasn't got a championship match since WrestleMania. I can't believe it took her this long to get a title match, but it's happening. So we see Rhea Ripley showing her power early. Then she taunts. Then both women lock up again and Io Shirai gets the advantage. Then she botches a little bit and Rhea Ripley turns the tide in her favor. So I think Io Shirai was supposed to run the ropes a little bit, but she ended up slipping. So Rhea Ripley ended up taking control. We see Io Shirai tried to build some momentum, but Rhea stops it and slams her face first onto the apron. We see Rhea in control through picture and picture. And once again, Io Shirai builds some momentum when she countered Rhea's superplex. We also see that Rhea Ripley has an injury. She's bleeding from her ear. I think she got hurt. One of those gauges might've got caught on something, but she's bleeding out of that ear. We see Rhea then break out of a crossface to deliver a big boot to Io. Then Io gets up and begins to attack that arm of Rhea Ripley in the ring and on the outside. We see Io Shirai in control through picture in picture once again. Then Rhea Ripley builds some momentum when she attacks Io at the top turnbuckle, then finally hits a superplex. We see Rhea try to tap out Io with the cloverleaf, but Io gets the ropes. Then Rhea goes for the riptide and Io counters it into an armbar, but Rhea grabs the ropes as well. We see Io try 2619 but misses. She then hits the third and then a missile dropkick for the near fall. We see Io Shirai attempt the over the moonsault, but Rhea Ripley moves. Then she hits her with a clothesline for a near fall. Then she attempts the riptide once again, but Io Shirai counters it with a DDT. So twice Rhea Ripley has gone for her riptide, but she is unable to hit it. The end match was Io Shirai tries a sunset bomb on Rhea Ripley to the outside, but Rhea Ripley stops it. And then Io lifts Rhea Ripley into power bomb position and then power bombs her through the announce table. Then Rhea Ripley breaks the 10 count, but as soon as she gets in, Io Shirai instantly hits the over the moonsault to retain her women's championship. And this was a hell of a match from both women. I knew this was going to be a really good match. And I'm glad to see that NXT is putting women's main events at the end of the show. I love that. I love that the women get the spotlight at the end, especially at a match of this caliber for the NXT Women's Championship. So kudos to NXT and kudos to these two women for putting on such an amazing main event. And I, I thought that, you know, this was going to go in Rhea Ripley's favor, but I guess Io Shirai still has a lot to be done in NXT as the NXT Women's Champion. So, you know, congrats to Io Shirai on retaining that championship. So the question leaves, who's next for Io Shirai? Who's next in line? We have a lot of great women. We have Tony Storm, Ember Moon, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, Candice LeRae. We have a lot of really good women, especially Shotzi Blackheart. She's one I want to see with the championship very soon. So th that women's division is stacked and anyone on that roster can hold the women's division to the highest pedestal on whoever wins that championship. So we have to wait and see where this championship you know, stuff goes with Io Shirai and who will be next to face her for that NXT Women's Championship. Now we move on to the last segment of the evening which is Finn Balor he finally speaks he jumps into the ring immediately after the match finishes he sends his congratulations to Io then he begins to speak but then the kings of NXT come out then they talk about what they've done while Finn Balor has been gone then they say that the UE is dead everyone they came in contact with is dead because of them then they start to surround Finn Balor then says that Finn will hand that title over to them 
And Finn says, well, the cat is back to play and it didn't come alone. And then next thing you know, we hear the UE's music and then they're just standing there. They, they, they build up the animosity and then they sprint towards the ring. Then a brawl ensues between the kings of NXT and the returning UE. Then as they're brawling and as the fight is spilling all over the arena, it goes off the air, which sucks because I hate when they do that. They, they build this up. They give you such a hype moment. There's finally a brawl between the UE and the kings of NXT and then you just cut away and then leave me wondering what the hell happened after which i truly hate but it's been confirmed that it will be the ue versus the kings of nxt at war games so expect a really good match between all these men so that ends nxt this week i think nxt was really good this week even though they had a couple of sort matches but i love that they're still playing off storylines like cameron grimes and dexter loomis and stuff like boa Zia Lee, and whatever they're going through with their little triad storyline i also love Love the women's main event between Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley and I love the exciting news that we're getting war games and it's coming sooner than we think so we got to expect that the next few weeks of NXT are going to be a super build-up to NXT war games and I'm just super excited and you know we really didn't get to hear Finn Balor talk that much so I'm assuming next week he'll probably talk a little more and then it's been reported that Karrion Cross might be coming back sooner than expected so let's just hope and pray that these two finally clash and I get to see the match that I I've been wanting, which is Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross for such a long time because these two men, they can go at it. They're both phenomenal wrestlers and they're pretty much the only two guys right now that I want to see go at it for the title because Karrion Cross never really lost it. He only lost it due to injury. So the, the up and coming weeks of NXT are going to be spectacular. So make sure you watch because there's going to be a lot of builds up to war games. Now we move on to NXT UK. NXT UK this week kicked off with Joe Coffey versus Sam Gradwell. We know last week Joe Coffey pinned Sam Gradwell in that six-man tag. So Sam Gradwell's looking for a little bit of revenge. We see both men lock up quickly. Neither man was really able to take control. We see Coffey begin to attack that leg of Gradwell, and it's still a back-and-forth contest at this point. We see Coffey then taunting Gradwell while standing on his legs. Gradwell then begins to build some momentum. Coffey tries to shut it down with a dropkick to the legs, but Gradwell continues to fight. The end match was Coffey turns the momentum in his favor once again even while bleeding from his eye I don't know when that happened he must have took a shot that busted him open he then hits a spear from behind then hits the best for the bells to pick up the win so that's two wins for Joe Coffey over Sam Gradwell Sam Gradwell has came back from that ACL injury like I explained last week he hasn't been hot so far but Coffey who's just coming back is super hot right now and I feel like eventually he's gonna challenge Walter for that NXT UK championship once again and hopefully you know there's no interference this time because if you remember alexander wolf pretty much got involved in that match so joe coffee wasn't able to take it from walter we then head backstage where sid scala says jordan devlin can defend the cruiserweight championship on nxt uk then we see kenny williams and amir jordan step up to get the first shot and then we hear that amir jordan will get the first shot against jordan devlin so i guess they're trying to make the championship legitimate for jordan devlin we know he never lost it and they're probably eventually saving this for when he faces Santos Escobar to see who's the real cruiserweight champion. Maybe when COVID is over, they can do worlds collide once again. Like I stated, this was the plan. This is something I stated a long time ago. They're just saving it for worlds collide when the world reopens. And that way we can figure out who truly is the cruiserweight champion. Santos Escobar in NXT or Jordan Devlin of NXT UK. We head to another backstage segment where Alexander Wolf is about to be interviewed and you hear Joe Coffey celebrating his win tonight. And every time Alexander's about 
to speak, it seems like Gallus gets louder. So he ends up confronting Joe Coffey. Him and Joe exchange words. And Joe Coffey says, don't think I forgot that you cost me that NXT UK title. I didn't forget at all. And you got something coming your way. So, like I said, these two are going to collide. It's going to be Imperium versus Gallus once again. But first, it's going to be Alexander Wolf versus Joe Coffey because he did cost him that title at a takeover. I think it was takeover Blackpool that he cost him that title. So be prepared to see Alexander Wolf versus Joe Coffey. Now we move on to the next match, Pretty Deadly versus Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter. We see Smith take control with his power early over Sam Stoker. Then we see frequent tags by Pretty Deadly to help them take back the control. Ashton Smith won't let Pretty Deadly take full control using his strength to his advantage. Then he tags in Carter to continue the control. We see Pretty Deadly finally build some momentum off a distraction. Ashton Smith then finally gets the hot tag late in the match. We see Ashton and Carter hit their tag team finisher, but Stoker saves the match. Then he takes out Carter. Ashton tries to roll up Lewis, but he ends up kicking out with some force, sending Ashton into the ropes. Then Stoker hits an uppercut out of nowhere. Then Ashton falls back. He gets rolled up by Lewis, and then Lewis is holding him by the tights to pick up the win. So Sam Stoker and Lewis are pretty, they're pretty doing pretty good right now. Even though I'm not a fan of Pretty Deadly, they've been winning a lot of tag team matches. They have a case for why they should face Gallus. They are on a win streak. And, but Ashton and Carter are really good as a tag team. I believe that Oliver Carter is a little better than Ashton Smith. Oliver Carter is more like a high flyer. He's a cruiserweight to me, the way he'd be moving around the ring. I think he shouldn't be a part of this tag team. I think he should be doing other things. Like maybe if he fights Jordan Devlin, it might be a really good match. I don't see these two guys as a tag team, but if NXT UK wants to put them together, then that's what they do. Like I said, I don't ever write these things. So we see Pretty Deadly, you know, picking up the win and I see them having a future tag team championship opportunity in their future. Now we head backstage where we see Mark and Flash, Morgan Webster upset about Eddie Dennis and the hunt betraying them last week. Eddie Dennis is, you know, the, the culprit behind all that's been happening to Flash Morgan and Mark Andrews. So we know that there's a lot of revenge going through the mind of Flash Morgan and Mark Andrews. So we're going to see them soon collide with Eddie Dennis and the hunt. Maybe they'll find someone else to help them out. But like always, we'll just have to wait and see. Now we move on to the next match, which is Levi Muir versus Saxton Huxley. And let me tell you right now, this was a squash match, so it's going to be really short. You ready? Huxley was in control early, overpowering Levi. We've seen Jack Stars come out to help support Levi. Then Levi builds a little bit of momentum, but Huxley shuts it down by swatting him out the air. Then he hits a big boot, then a clothesline for the win. It was that simple. I think Levi Muir is just like the jobber of NXT UK, along with Jack Stars. If you remember, Levi Muir fought Jordan Devlin, and that was just a slaughter too, and he's much bigger than Jordan Devlin. So, like I said, I think Levi Muir is just the jobber for NXT UK. It was a pretty quick match just to build over Saxon Huxley. And I don't know what's next for Saxon Huxley. You know, he lost to Walter when he said he was finally going to dethrone the big man, but didn't. So we have to wait and see what's next for him. Now we move on to the main event of the evening, which is Piper Nevins versus Kaylee Ray for the NXT Women's UK title in a false count anywhere match. We've seen Piper Nevins attack Kaylee Ray during her entrance, wasting no time. Kaylee tries to run away, but Piper hits a suicide dive for a near fall. We see Kaylee Ray try to build some momentum, but Piper stopped it with a belly to belly on the outside. Kaylee tries once again to turn the side by trying to throw a ring bell at Piper, who then dodges. She then gets up to hit Kaylee Ray with a clothesline. Then we see Piper Nevins begin to attack that leg of Kaylee Ray with that metal pipe. Later in the match, we see Kaylee Ray start to attack with a kendo stick, then wraps a chain around Piper Nevins' face, and 
then Piper lifts her up and slams Kaylee Ray onto a garbage can to break out of the hold. Then goes for the Piper driver onto a chair, but Kaylee dodges and hits a draping DDT on the outside for a near fall. Then out of nowhere, we see Ginny come and attack Piper Nevins from behind, and then Piper finally fights back, taking out Ginny, throwing her over the barricade. Now the fight between Kaylee Ray and Piper Nevins spills to backstage. Kaylee Ray smashes a guitar over Piper's head for a near fall, then goes for the gory bomb on a chair, but Piper counters with the Piper driver through the chair for another near fall. So, so far we've seen a lot of big moves, a lot of weapons, and a lot of near falls. So far these women are trying to kill each other. Now the end match of this fight was Piper Nevins attacks Kaylee Ray's leg with a pipe. Then she lifts her up and tries to bring her onto some production boxes. Then out of nowhere, Ginny hits Piper Nevins with a chair, sending Piper and Kaylee Ray flying through some tables. But Kaylee Ray ended up landing on Piper Nevins, allowing her to get the pin and retaining without her even noticing. So Ginny just cost Piper Nevins this championship and let Kaylee Ray retain it even though they have beef with each other. At the end of it, we seen Kaylee Ray just staring at Ginny like, did you really just help me retain this title? So is Ginny going to get a shot at Kaylee Ray or is Ginny going to fight Piper Nevins? I don't know what direction they plan on going in with this, but I feel like we're going to have Ginny versus Piper Nevins in some kind of match. And then we'll probably have another Ginny, I mean, another Piper Nevins versus Kaylee Ray match for the title. They should have gave it to her now. I don't know why they didn't, but that's dumb. That's what they choose to do. But it, all around, it was a really good match, a really good main event. It was the second main event in a row that was uh, the second main event as a title match, excuse me, with NXT and NXT UK having Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai and now having Piper Nevins versus Kaylee Ray. So two women's main events back to back. I think that's really good for these uh, women division in NXT and NXT UK because they are phenomenal women's divisions. So that ends NXT. NXT UK for this week. NXT UK this week was short, but it was actually really good. A lot of buildups to certain things. I'm glad we get to see Jordan Devlin defend that Cruiserweight Championship. I'm interested to see what happens with Ginny, Piper Nevins, and Kaylee Ray, and what happens with Gallus. So, we'll just have to wait till next week, and hopefully that we'll see some changes. Also, the Heritage Cup continues next week. The finals, A-Kid versus Trent Seven. My pick is A-Kid. It's always been A-Kid, and hopefully he wins. Now, we move on to AEW Dynamite. AEW Dynamite this week kicked off with the Young Bucks versus Top Flight. We've seen a Top Flight video package before the match. You know, a young up-and-coming team. A team who took the indie scene tag team wrestling by storm is now officially a part of AEW. Now to the match. We see both Young Bucks and Top Flights even to begin the match. Then Dante and Darius take control. Then the Bucks regroup and then the Bucks take control off a blind tag to hit some great tag team offense. We see Dante get power bombed into his brother Darius. Then they attempt the Melsa driver, but Dante reverses the tag and tags his brother, who changes the tide. We then see Top Flight does stereo topes onto the Young Bucks. It was a back and forth contest mid-match from both teams. Then we see Dante go up top, but misses, then gets caught with a spear. Then they end up taking out his brother Darius. They then hit a big tag team move, but Darius was able to break up the pin out of nowhere. Late match, we see the Young Bucks go for more bang for your buck, but Darius stops it. Then Dante tries to roll up Nick who kicks out then they get rid of Darius who then gets hit with the BTE trigger to win the match so we see the Young Bucks picking up the win over top flight I gotta say it was a really impressive match it was a really great start to AW Dynamite I thought this team is fantastic and they are the future of the tag team division whether it be on AW or somewhere else these two kids have everything they need to be the best tag team there could possibly be after the match we see TH2 attack top flight but the Young Bucks make the 
save. So this lets me though that top flight will be on AW Dynamite more often to maybe now fight TH2. So good match from top flight. Hopefully AW signs them to a big contract and hopefully they can be the future of the company after, you know, the Young Bucks are gone, FTR are gone, teams like that. We need more tag teams who are the future. We don't need to just depend on the tag teams we have now. Now we move on to an inner circle Las Vegas segment. We see at the beginning, MJF robs Sammy of his blackjack win. Sammy was so happy that he got 21 and MJF out of nowhere just steals it. Then we see Santana beat Ortiz at craps. We see Jericho and MJF battle for what drink to drink at the bar. They go through all these, like all these fancy drinks and they can't really decide. They're trying to one up each other. It's basically the stakes all over again. We see Jake Hager and Wardlow just staring each other down. Then we hear Santana and Ortiz say they want to take stuff to the next level. Then we see Conan, all of you who are not familiar with Conan. He was a part of LAX on Impact Wrestling. He's also a part of AAA Wrestling. Then they get out of the limo and next thing you know, all you see is smoke. So we obviously know what happened in that car. And then the end segment to this was Wardlow and Jake Hager just beating up random people in the bar while still staring at each other. So these two men still have tons of beef. I don't know why, but it's just the battle of the big man when it comes to them. So this will continue later. So we'll go back to that. Now we move on to a backstage segment where Moxley speaks. He says it's been a crazy ride for 16 years. Then he says he started this because of his dad. He says he'll sign the contract and shake Omega's hand and show him why he's the number one wrestler in the world. He also announces that him and Renee will be having their first child. So congrats to John Moxley and Renee Young on their first child to come. Now we move on to the next match, which is Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian. We see at the start of the match, Kip Sabian takes control when Orange tries to put his hands in his pocket. Then he does multiple holds on Orange Cassidy. We see Cassidy finally build some momentum once the hands go in the pocket. And then Penelope Ford distracts Cassidy, allowing Kip to take control once again. We see Kip in control even through picture-in-picture. Picture. Then Cassidy tries to build some momentum by fighting Kip from the top. Then he hits a crossbody on Kip Sabian. Sabian then tries to go for a springboard but loses his footing but was still able to hold on to the control. At the end, we see Kip go for his finisher but Orange counters. Then Kip hits a flurry and goes for his finish again but Orange locks him up in that mousetrap pin for the win. After that match, we see Miro attack Orange Cassidy after the match. Then Best Friends make the save. So Miro clearly has some beef still with the Best Friends and now he has beef with Orange Cassidy. So I'm pretty sure we're going to get Miro versus Orange Cassidy eventually. I mean, to be honest, I don't know why we have to have Miro versus Orange Cassidy. We shouldn't even have Miro in a tag team with Kip Sabian. We should have had Miro by himself. I feel like he could have had a championship run maybe at the TNT title like Mr. Brody Lee did. But I guess, you know, they'll, they'll figure out something eventually. But right now, I guess they just want him to have somebody at his side while this best friend segment still happens. And that brings me to another point. How long is it going to take for the best friends to finally win the tag team championships? These guys have never held tag team gold in any company they've ever been in. How long are we going to elude them from having championship gold in AEW? Because I felt like they should have been had it. They were hot. They were the number one tag team. And you still didn't give them the tag team titles. Yeah, you want to give them to the Young Bucks. You want to give them to FTR. But Trent and Chucky e. T are truly deserving of being tag team champions. They've been a tag team for God knows how long. And they have the chemistry. They could hold the company on their back. Did you see the match that they had with Santana and Ortiz? Perfect. Their feud was perfect. You should have gave them the titles right then and there. And then also, how long are you going to sleep on Santana and Ortiz? How long are we going to have them do this inner circle stuff and not go after any tag team gold. You know a match I truly want to see? I want to see Santana and Ortiz versus FTR. I want to see some new stuff. I'm tired of seeing the same old tag teams fighting each other. They, they just got to make a change. They have a great tag team division. They're just not utilizing it to the best of their ability. But like I said, that's just 
just my opinion. You can have some totally different opinion, but that's just mine. Now we move on to the Omega and Moxley contract signing. And let me tell you now, this isn't a long segment at all, but we hear Tony Schiavone call Kenny Omega the cleaner. So that lets us know that that cleaner gimmick is officially here. We also hear Mox's music, but he didn't come out. Then they pan to the back where we see Mox is out cold bleeding from the nose. We then hear Omega say, you can't avoid me for long, Mox. And then he signs the contract. Tony Schiavone asks him, like, you have anything to say? He's like, nah, I have nothing to say. And then leaves. So my question is, who attacked John Moxley? Was it Kenny Omega during his grand entrance? Did he like super sprint to the back, beat up John Moxley, and then make it back for his entrance in time? There was some rumors or people speculating that it was Kenta. I truly doubt it was Kenta. You know, they had that uh, IWGP US uh, Championship match. Eventually, I don't know when that's going to happen. But I'd highly doubt that New Japan and AEW is working together. So just throw that out the window. It was most likely Kenny Omega. If not, maybe Eddie Kingston or somebody else. Somebody you don't expect. And if you expect it, it's Kenny Omega. But since this was a short segment, let's speculate for a little bit. We didn't see Hangman Adam Page tonight. All the times we see Hangman, he's creeping around the back, you know, not trying to engage. He could he could have attacked John Moxley. Or maybe it was the Young Bucks. Maybe we get a heel elite faction. Maybe now we're going to see all the elite members go heel and have their own little bullet club faction AEW. It could be possible. It could be something that AEW wants to go and proceed. We know they broke up the elite. Cody Rhodes feels like he doesn't even is not even part of the elite anymore, but he technically is. So we might get a heel elite faction. I don't know, but I'm speculating either Hangman attacked Omega or the Young Bucks. And like I said, if it's obvious, if they know who it is, it's most likely Omega. But those are my predictions. Those are my speculations. Now we continue with the inner circle takes Vegas. Everyone is drunk and then they welcome Elvis into their group. Then we hear MJF say he's happy. He's finally found his wolf pack. Then he says they should be blood brothers. And then Sammy says, blood brothers, I'll cut myself right now. And they stop him like, whoa, you're doing a little too much. Then we go to Jericho waking up in bed with Elvis. Then we see MJF wake up from a bathtub and then he finds Sammy in a fountain. And then when they pan back to MJF, he has writings all over his face because of Sammy. Then we see in the background Ortiz is working out and Sammy learns he has three wives. Then we go to the hallway where Santana's feeding chickens in the hallway. Then they hear someone crying and they open the door to see Swaggle in a diaper crying. So this segment is all over the place. I think it was pretty funny. I think we knew that this segment was going to be good because it's the inner circle and Chris Jericho. It was all around entertaining and then to see Swaggle in a diaper at the end crying like I wonder what was the reference there but I thought it was pretty funny. It was pretty much like uh, what's that movie called? I forgot what it's called. It's with the guys they go on the trip and uh, you know, I forgot what that movie is called but you know I think this was a pretty entertaining segment. Then we learned that Chris Jericho has announced that Hager and him will go against SCU next week. So we have ourselves a big tag team match and you know Jericho and Hager has been trying to join the tag team rankings for a long time now so I guess now they're finally going to get back to that. Now we move on to the next match which is the Blade versus Pac. We see Eddie Kingston is on commentary. This is Pac's first match back in eight months. We see Pac hit a shotgun dropkick as soon as the bell rings then stomps out the Blade. We see Pac dominating until he gets distracted by Butcher then Blade sends Pac into the barricade to take control. We see Pac change the momentum in his favor until Bunny grabs his leg then he goes out the ring and then the butcher attacks him from behind we see the blade in control again Pac tries to build some momentum during picture and picture but can't then both men begin to just slug it down the middle of the ring Pac gives blade a superplex from the top rope then Pac goes for a black arrow but Ali gets on the apron then butcher tries to attack but Pac gives him a super kick then blade tries to roll him up using the tights but Pac kicks out then he knocks down blade and then he hits a shooting star and puts the rings of Saturn on blade to tap him 
out. After the match, Pac was going to address Eddie Kingston, but Butcher attacks him from behind and then Blade joins in. Then we see Eddie Kingston going to the ring to taunt Pac while Butcher and the Blade hold him. Then Ray Phoenix comes out and starts to attack Butcher and the Blade, but the numbers gain is way too much. Then we see Penta slowly come out with a chair. He teases hitting his own brother, but then he takes a swing at Eddie. The family retreats and Death Triangle reunites. So it's been a long time since we've seen Death Triangle. They they formed, I think, a couple months ago before Pac left because of COVID. And, you know, these guys were on a tear and then they had to join the family because there was nothing else for the Lucha Brothers to do. But now since Pac is back, now we can have Death Triangle back. So I'm pretty sure we're going to have the family versus Death Triangle eventually. Eddie Kingston versus Pac, the Lucha Bros versus the Butcher and the Blade. And I don't remember the last time we've seen the Lucha Brothers versus the Butcher and the Blade. And they might have fought, but I truly don't remember. So we get to see it if it did not happen. So I'm really happy to see that Pac is back. I'm, I'm happy to see that now he got the Lucha Brothers back, Death Triangle's back. And now Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade could do something different. And I like this feud. I think this is going to be a fantastic feud. And I can't wait to see what happens. Now we head backstage where Jade has Brandy's hand in a chair while Nyla and Vicky stop the security and anyone from stopping it. Then Jade stomps on the chair, crushing Brandy's hand. And then Big Swole and others come to stop the attack. Now Brandy Rose didn't sell this at all. She got her hand crushed and she's just there like with a face like, ow, it hurts, it hurts. No, like you're supposed to sell that. She didn't sell that at all. But I'm really interested to see Jade Cargill. I really want to see what she has in, in sense of in-ring talent. You know, we've seen her cut a promo. It wasn't that bad. I want to see her in-ring ability. That's what I'm looking forward to. And I know we're going to get Jade versus Brandy Rhodes soon. Now we move on to Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deep for the NWA Women's Championship. We see both women lock up early. Then they exchange holds, but Thunder gets the best of Serena Deb locking on multiple submission holds. We see Deb tried to build some momentum, but Rosa stops it with a takedown. Serena Deb then builds some momentum once again, hitting a dragon screw on Rosa who was taunting. Deb was in control even through picture in picture. We see Rosa finally build some momentum with a running knee in the corner. Then Rosa tries to attack from the apron, but Serena Deb tries to counter it with a dragon screw, but Rosa fights it off. Then goes for a spear, but Deb catches her in a guillotine choke. The fight spills to the apron, then Deb hits a spear to Thunder Rosa on the apron. Late match, we see Thunder Rosa counter the GTS, then goes on the attack. She hits a dropkick, knocking Deb out of the ring. Then we see Rebel distracting the ref, and then Britt attacks Thunder Rosa from behind on the ramp. Then Deb tries to get the easy win. She hits a powerbomb and then pins, but Thunder Rosa kicks out. It was a back and forth contest. Then Rosa hits a big move to get a near fall. They both exchange pin attempts, but none was able to get the pin. Thunder Rosa tries a backslide pin, but Deb counters it. Then she hits a face buster to retain. So I found it interesting that we've seen Britt Baker attack Thunder Rosa. I didn't think that was going to happen, you know. But then again, Thunder Rosa has been a focal point of AW's women's wrestling along with Hikaru Shida, Serena Deb. And Britt Baker feels like she's number one in AW women's wrestling. So she wants to shine. So it obviously makes sense for her to attack her. And does this indicate that Thunder Rosa will be signing with AW so that way her and Britt Baker could do battle? At the end, we see Thunder Rosa sees Britt Baker in the crowd. Then she goes on the attack and both women begin to brawl until the officials break it up. So what the heck was Britt Baker thinking? Did she think that she was going to sit in the crowd and Thunder Rosa was just going to punk out and not touch her at all? Thunder Rosa was like, nah, we're going to fight and this is going to happen. So these two will fight eventually. I think it's going to happen during that Omega John Moxley uh, title match. I think that day that's going to happen. So that's probably going to be a super big night for AEW. After that, we get a backstage segment with John Silvers and Anna Jay. John says Anna will take on Hikaru Shida next week for the AEW Women's Championship. So that's really big news. Anna Jay gets her first shot at the 
the women's championship. I think it's going to be a really good match. I like Anna Jay. She's such a great wrestler. And Sheeta could put on a phenomenal match if she wants to. So next week's going to be pretty awesome. We also got for next week, Ray Phoenix and Pac versus the Butcher and the Blade. So no Ray Phoenix and Penta, but Ray Phoenix and Pac. I don't know how I feel about that. But, you know, we're still playing off the fact that this is still brand new. Death Triangle just reunited. Maybe Penta won't go with it. And maybe he won't reunite with, uh, you know, his brother and Pac. Maybe he'll betray them and go back to Eddie Kingston. We'll just have to wait and see. Now we move on to the main event of the evening. Brian Cage and Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes. We see both Ricky and Darby going back and forth early in this match. Then they start to exchange slaps and Darby gets the best of that exchange. Then Ricky tags in Cage while Darby tags in Cody. Cage then gets the best of Cody until Cody begins to build some momentum. We see Taz finally leave the commentary booth to stand that ringside. Cody was in control during picture and picture until Taz tripped him and Cage knocks him out the ring. When we come back from break, we see that Arn Anderson gets ejected because he threw a chair in the ring. Cage then power bombs Cody onto the outside, then brings him back in the ring to continue the attack. We then see Cody was going to tag in Darby, but Starks pulled him off the apron. Then Cage hits a flurry on Cody to then tag in Starks to retain the control. We see Darby get the hot tag to change the tide, but he didn't see that Cage hit the blind tags on Starks. Then Cage comes in and hits a German suplex on Darby Allen, who hits a German suplex on Ricky Starks. So it was a little sequence between those guys. We see Cody take out Cage, but Starks spears Cody. Then we see Darby counter a bomb from Brian Cage. Then he turns into a sunset flip. We see Starks grabs Darby from behind in a crossroads position, but Cody then grabs Starks the same way to deliver a crossroads of his own. Then Cage takes on Cody and Darby. We see Darby headbutt Cage off the apron. Then he goes for a move, but Starks hold Darby's leg. Then Cage runs up and hits an avalanche drill claw for the win. After Starks attacks Darby, Cody tries to save him, but Cage hits him. Then Hobbs comes out to make the save, and he lifts up the FTW title to taunt Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Then Cody gets up, you know, he thinks everything's okay, and then Will Hobbs just blasts him with that FTW title. I told you it was coming. I knew he was going to join FTW. It was so obvious, him making those saves. I knew it was going to happen. So, we got ourselves a Will Hobbs heel turn, and I'm really happy about this because, you know, FTW needs some more guys, and now they have a strong, powerful man like Will Hobbs. It was incoming. If you didn't see this, then you're just blind. I knew this was going to happen. If you listen back to all my older podcasts, I said, listen, he's playing the part, but I promise you he's going to join them eventually, and that's exactly what happened. All around, it was a really good match between Darby Allen uh, and Cody versus, you know, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. I thought it was a really good match. Really great way to end it. They also had a great co-main event in Thunder Rosa and Serena Deb. So all around, you know, good show tonight from AEW. I mean, there's a lot still to come. We still have to learn who attacked John Moxley. What's next for the Young Bucks? Where's Hangman Adam Page? There's still a lot we have to fill. When is Brody Lee coming back? That's what I want to know. I heard he's really sick. So hopefully he recovers, you know, speedy recovery to you, Brody Lee. So now we move on to our final show of the evening, which is Friday Night Smackdown. We kick off Smackdown this week with the Street Profits talking about Survivor Series. Then they start to talk about The Undertaker's final appearance. We see Montez do the Undertaker eye roll and then Thunder appears in the room and they're like, what the heck is going on? Then they hear rest in peace and we see a giant sombrero come out and it's revealed to be Big E. Then they exchange words about Survivor Series. Dawkins says, you know, I know we're going to beat the New Day at Survivor Series. You know, there's nothing you got to tell us. Then, you know, they both go out and exchange words. The Street Profits say they're going to kick Kofi's Jamaican accent back and then they will be victorious at Survivor Series. Then Big E, you know, he goes about talking about how good the New Day is and what they have coming. 
coming to them. Then he says that the New Day is here tonight and in person. Then we see Woods and Kofi Kingston come out to speak. They say they have something to say to the Street Profits. And then they also pay tribute to The Undertaker playing that on the floor and, and you know, coming back up with the eye roll. Everyone's paying tribute to The Undertaker. Then Sami Zayn comes out and interrupts and says he's tired of hearing about The Undertaker. He says he's leaving because he owes Taker for choke slamming him. And then he talks about Bobby Lashley. He says he's protected. And at Survivor Series, he won't be. Then Sammy says the New Day should say some nice things about him. And then they make fun of him. Baron Corbin then comes out and says the New Day doesn't belong on SmackDown. They say they should go back. And then Ziggler and Rude comes out. They says the same thing Corbin just said. And they say the championship swap ruined their title shot. Which it did because I believe they were owed a championship opportunity against the New Day. But then the championships changed so they never got that title shot. We then see the New Day offer a title match. Then they try to turn Corbin against Ziggler and Rude. And it starts to work because Sammy starts to jump in. Then Wood says they should have a match and the winner gets a title shot. Then Rude and Ziggler, you know, were taking off their jackets preparing to fight Sami Zayn and Baron Corbin. Then they attack the New Day. While the New Day is getting assaulted by four guys, we hear the Street Profits come out and they make the save. Now we have ourselves an impromptu tag team match between the Street Profits and the New Day versus Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Rude, Baron Corbin, and Sami Zayn. We see the New Day and Street Profits in control early, consistently trying to one-up each other. Then Rude blasts Wood with a clothesline to then tag in Corbin who almost loses the control but hits a deep six on Xavier Woods. We see Ford gets the hot tag taking the fight to Corbin with a beautiful flurry. Then all men come into fight and Kofi accidentally dives on Montez Ford instead of hitting Baron Corbin. So there was a little bit of tension between Angelo Dawkins and Kofi right there. When we come back from commercial break, Ziggler is in control of Montez Ford. Then he tags in Corbin to retain the control. We see Montez finally build some momentum after fighting out the corner. He gives the hot tag to Kofi. Then Woods gets the blind tag on Kofi to retain the control. When he goes for the finish, Dawkins ends up blind tagging Xavier Woods. And mind you, he put a lot of force on that tag. He smacked the crap out of him. Then he takes control. We see Ziggler then tags in Sammy, who doesn't even make it 10 seconds in the match before receiving a splash by Montez Ford after Dawkins had knocked him down to pick up the win. So essentially, Sammy losing in under 10 seconds just tells me that at Survivor Series, his match with Bobby Lashley is gonna be a squash match. And you know, they built up the Street Profits and New Day really well. I really hope it's an exciting match. I think all four of these men can give you a tag team match to remember. I mean, the New Day has had amazing tag team matches with the Uso over and over and over again. So I'm pretty sure they can do it with the Street Profits. But you know, I won't tell my predictions till after SmackDown with how Survivor Series is going to play out. Now we move to the back where Sammy is yelling at the referee. Then he runs into Daniel Bryan and starts taunting him for laughing. Then Daniel Bryan shoves Sammy to the ground and then Sammy says, if I didn't have a big match, I would attack you. Then he says, don't forget, I will not forget this. So we're probably going to see Sammy attack Daniel Bryan somewhere down the line. After that, we have a Daniel Bryan interview. He's asked about what happened with Jay Uso. He says he heard what Uso had to say, saying it's not personal. He believes him and then says he has a devil on his shoulder and says we all have the angel and devil on our shoulder and he has one. And if Jay is listening, tonight is nothing personal. So tonight will be Jay Uso versus Daniel Bryan, the little redemption for Daniel Bryan. After that, we head to another backstage segment with Adam Pearce. He says Otis is the final member of Team SmackDown. Then Natalia says, why is she in a match? She should just be on the team. And she says she had to because there's only two spots left and one goes to Bailey. So Adam Pearce officially announced that Bailey is to fill in one of those spots for the women's team on Team SmackDown. While Natalia has to face Tamina tonight to fill up that last spot. So, you know, I, I'm kind of upset about this. I didn't want the last guy to be Otis. It should have been Big E. It should have been Lars Sullivan. Now we have to deal with 
Otis on Team SmackDown. I'm just not a fan of Otis. I'm not a fan of anything he does. You know, there's people out there who really like what he do, but I don't at all. So this pick for me is just a no for me, but I, I have no control over that. So with that being said, let me know how you feel about Otis being the final member of Team SmackDown. There's also another segment with Rollins. He sends a message to Murphy. He says he saved him, gave him a new life, and he's responsible for what Buddy has. If it wasn't for him, he would have never met Aaliyah. He then says, what does he get for that? Nothing. He just gets stabbed in the back. He says, after tonight's final lesson, Buddy will go back to being what he was before he met Rollins, and that's nothing. So, you know, we have our final match between Rollins and Buddy Murphy. I think this will be the send-off match because Becky Lynch is about to give birth, so Seth Rollins will probably take some time off and, you know, allow Buddy to do what he has to do on SmackDown. So, we'll have to wait and see how this match plays out tonight. Now, we move on to the second chance qualifying match between Tamina and Natalia. We see Bianca Belair is on commentary. Then Bailey comes out to join the commentary. Nat starts off quick and then she eats a super kick. Then Tamina throws her into the steel step. She then goes for a pin but gets a near fall. We see Natalia finally build some momentum off of reversal. Then hits a discus clothesline out of nowhere and then puts the sharpshooter onto Tamina to tap her out to finally earn the last spot onto Team SmackDown. Natalia has been fighting for this spot for a long, long time. So now she finally has it. Hopefully she makes it worth it. We then hear Bailey on commentary, you know, before say that she's the captain and Belair disagrees. So I think Bailey's going through the same Oedipus complex that AJ Styles is going through, self-proclaiming themselves as the captain. And she just got on the team. So I don't think she has any captain status at the moment. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, Team SmackDown will, you know, be victorious in that women's side. But like I said, I won't give you my predictions right now, but I feel like that's what's going to happen. Team SmackDown has a really good team. And I just feel, you know, there's a lot going on. We'll talk about that after I finish SmackDown. Now we move on to the Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns contract signing. I've never seen a contract signing for a Survivor Series match between two champions. I guess there's a first for everything. And let me tell you, before I even get to the main stuff, the juiciness of this segment, Roman Reigns took the longest time to walk to the ring I've ever seen. It was even longer than The Undertaker's WrestleMania entrance. It was like 10 minutes and I swear to God he was still walking to the ring. I don't know why he's taking so long. You know, he's trying to do the heel stuff, but that was the longest like 10, maybe 5 minutes I've ever had in my entire life. Now we move on to the segment. We see Roman as soon as he gets in the ring, Adam Pearce tells him to take a seat. And then he's like, no, I don't sit here. I sit at the head of the table. And then when Adam was about to speak, Roman tells him, no, sit down and don't speak. Roman then says he knew Drew could do it, but Paul not so much. Then he says Drew was in the right place at the wrong time. Then Drew responds with, he won't let him get in his head. Then you said, win a title. And then that's what I did. I didn't do it for you. I did it for myself. He then signs the contract and hands it to Roman and says, do me a favor, underestimate me. Enjoy your two days of peace and prepare for war. Then Roman did not like being given advice and says that Survivor Series Drew will not understand the brutal truth, that he's a secondary title holder. He's the guy who they send in when he doesn't want to do it. Roman says he's the face of WWE and one day Drew will be it. And then when he looks back, he will thank Roman for the lessons he's taught him. Drew will love him for it and he'll love him right back. But then says Drew will always be his favorite number two. So I thought this was perfect, perfect promo from Roman Reigns. It was some great heel work right there. He let us know that, hey, listen, when WWE wants someone to do it and I don't want to do it, they'll pick you to do it if I don't want to do it. But as long as I'm here, they're going to give me everything. This was a perfect heel promo for Roman Reigns. Like I said, his heel like turn has been fantastic since he's gotten back from his, you know, whatever he was doing. So I think that this match is perfect. It's a great buildup. It was a perfect segment. And 
and I loved every second of it. This is going to be a phenomenal match. This is going to be the match that you want to watch at Survivor Series. I'm going to let you know that now. It's probably going to be more interesting than the five-on-five men's match. Now we move on to the next match of the evening, which is Rollins versus Buddy Murphy. We see Buddy come out with the whole Mysterio family. Then Buddy rushes to the ring and Rollins just knocks him off the apron. Then he regroups and rushes back into the ring with the flying knee, but Seth Rollins dodges. Then the slugfest begins, but Rollins gets the best of the exchange when he throws him into the barricade from the apron. Then Rollins ties Buddies into the ropes. He then goes for a kendo stick, but Mysterio stops him. Then Rollins blasts him. Then Dominic tries to get involved, and Rollins takes him out as well. Then Buddy goes outside to make the save to the Mysterio family. He then goes up to the top rope, and then Rollins just throws him off into the barricade. Then he steps up to Ali, and she falls on the floor in fear. When we're back from break, Rollins is still in control. Murphy finally builds some well-needed momentum. He goes up to the top rope, but Rollins just races up to the top to hit a superplex Falcon Arrow combo for a near fall. The fight then spills to the apron, where both slug it out, and then Buddy hits a flying knee. He then gets in the ring, and Rollins just hits a curb stop while he was getting in the ring. Rollins then gets a near fall, because Buddy ended up getting his foot on the bottom rope. Then Rollins hits the buckle bomb. He goes for the curb stomp, but Buddy hits a flying knee that staggers Rollins. He then tries again to hit another curb stomp and receives another knee before Buddy hits the Murphy's Law to pick up the win over Seth Rollins. So, that means this feud is most likely over. Now, let me tell you something. I don't feel that Buddy Murphy should have came out with the Mysterio family. I feel like this is something he should have tackled on his own. It would have been more meaningful if he came out on his own. Like, hey, listen, I'm going to fight the Messiah. I was once his disciple. I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone else. I think that's how they should have went about it, but it clearly didn't go like that. So it's good to see that this is Buddy's big win. This is probably the biggest win of his career. You know, he came in hot to SmackDown when he fought Roman Reigns. I feel like he can truly do it. I feel like he can make it to the top and someday he can, you know, fight for that prestigious world championship. Buddy has all it takes. He has everything it takes to be the top WWE superstar and I truly believe in him. So this is probably the end of this feud between Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Now Rollins will probably go and take some time off to accompany Becky Lynch. So now it just leaves the question of what's next for Buddy Murphy? What's next for the Mysterio family? So we'll just have to wait for the up and coming weeks to see. Now we move on to the next segment, which is Sasha Banks and Asuka face to face. Asuka says Sasha is not the boss of her. Sasha then gives Asuka her props and Asuka then interrupts her once again. Then Sasha says she'll tap out Asuka at Survivor Series. And Asuka then does a Cenaton saying, you can't see me, you can't see me. Then Sasha says, get your hands out of my face so we can go right now. And then Asuka says she's not ready for Asuka. And then out of nowhere, we see Carmella attack Sasha from behind and Asuka just watches the whole time while Carmella's beating up on Sasha Banks. Now I just want to say this was a terrible face-to-face. Asuka spoke no English this whole segment. All she was doing was just joking around. There was no seriousness behind it. This didn't give me any hype for this match at all, which is why I really hated this segment. So to me, this segment was pointless just because this didn't hype up Survivor Series at all for me. But we go backstage where we hear Kayla Braxton getting a word from Jay Uso. She then asks Jay Uso, are you allowed to talk? Do you have the green light? And then Jay Uso's like, oh, you still have jokes? Yeah, I got the green light from my cousin. He says he heard Daniel Bryan call Roman Reigns the devil. He says he's responsible for his own actions. There is no devil. It was all him. So we now move on to the main event of the evening, which is Daniel Bryan versus Jay Uso. At the start of this match, both men slug it out immediately. Jay gets the best of the exchange, and then Bryan counters an Irish whip, then lays a beating onto Jay Uso. But Jay cuts that momentum short. We see Jay throw Bryan to the outside, then launches him into the steel steps. Then he starts to clear off the announce table, but Daniel Bryan attacks him while he takes his time 
time clearing off the announce table. Then he hits a drop kick from the top rope. We see a back and forth contest until Jay is thrown to the outside and then Daniel Bryan hits a suicide dive. Then when Daniel Bryan runs to Jay, he gives him a back body drop sending Daniel Bryan through the announce table. Jay was in control when we came back from break. He was dominating. Then Daniel Bryan started to build some well needed momentum but Jay stops it with the superplex. We see Daniel Bryan end match lock on the yes lock and Jay fights it off and then starts attacking the kidneys. Then he goes up top and knocks Jay down. Then Daniel Bryan hits an avalanche back body drop then delivers the yes kicks for a near fall. Then we see Daniel Bryan set up for his running knee and as soon as he's about to hit it he eats a super kick from Jay and then he does two more. Then Jay goes up to the top to end the match with an Uso splash but Daniel Bryan counters it. Then he rolls up Jay for the win and after that nothing happened. Jay didn't attack him from behind. Daniel Bryan just celebrated which was pretty surprising to me because the last time these guys fought we seen Jay Uso demolish him. Now he gets rolled up and he loses and he's not doing anything. He's just sitting on the outside with a dumb look on his face. I thought that was a terrible ending to the match. I thought if you really wanted to build up Jay Uso you should have had him attack Daniel Bryan again or do something of that sort. So that pretty much ends Smackdown. Now Smackdown you know it wasn't really a super build up. The only build up we really had to Survivor Series was the Roman and Drew McIntyre segment. Uh, also we had the New Day and the Street Profits. That was a pretty much a build up to their match at Survivor Series as well. But I don't think there's any build up to Survivor Series due to the fact that COVID they don't want 50 guys and 50 guys fighting each other at the same time because remember these, these invasions are massive you got to have all your men all your women come in and they don't want that many people having contact with each other which stops the hype from survivor series this year which sucks so bad because i live for those hype moments of survivor series those brawls those invasions stuff like that that ends a three-year streak of invasions we had an invasion from 2016 all the way till 2019 and there is no invasion this year so hopefully next year survivor series there's no covid there's no nothing we had the fans back and there's a super buildup. but all around smackdown was a really good show and i can't wait for survivor series on sunday so before i end this show we're going to talk about survivor series we're going to give our predictions on sunday night's survivor series matches so we'll start off with the first match i want to mention that this is in no particular order so we'll have united states champion bobby lashley versus Sami Zayn, our intercontinental champion i feel like this match is going bobby lashley and i feel like it's going to be a squash match after that we'll see team raw women's side and team smackdown women's side i feel like team smackdown is going to win this one i feel like these women on smackdown have more chemistry than the women on raw these women on raw pretty much hate each other so i see that being the downfall of their loss we'll move on to raw women's champion oscar versus smackdown women's champion sasha banks i think this one should go to sasha banks i think sasha has the edge over oscar and i feel like you know we want to build up sasha more as a champion so what better way to do it than having her be oscar at survivor series unless carmelo ruins it then he'll go to oscar after that we'll see the raw tag team champions the new day versus smackdown tag team champions the street profits i give this one to the street profits i want to see the street profits win i feel like the new day has such a tenured as a great tag team i feel like it's time to pass the torch and let the new day i mean let the street profits do something with the tag team division after that we'll have team raw of the men's and team smackdown of the men's i feel like this should go to team raw of the men's you know they might be all discombobulated but look at that team you got keith lee you got braun Strowman, aj styles Strowman. not not so much riddle i don't really care about riddle but that's a stacked team smackdown you know they have rollins kevin owens jay uso baron corbin and otis which i truly hate but i feel like i'll give this one the raw i feel like they'll pull it together and they'll actually win this one now if team smackdown wins i'll be really surprised at that then we'll have wwe champion drew mcintyre versus universal champion roman reigns and this 
this one just goes no other way. I think this one goes Roman all the way. Roman is on a streak right now, and I don't think they're gonna stop that by having Drew McIntyre and that. Yeah, Drew McIntyre will give him a hell of a fight, and I think this match will be incredible, but my pick is Roman Reigns for this match. And as for the Undertaker celebration, I feel like it's gonna be cut short by something. Maybe The Fiend comes out. Maybe somebody comes out and interrupts him and challenge him. I don't know what's gonna happen, but expect the unexpected when it comes to The Undertaker's final farewell. So that's my predictions for Survivor Series this Sunday. I will be dropping this episode on Saturday, so that way you can get an early listen, so that way Sunday you don't have to listen to two podcasts at the same time. So that ends this week of wrestling. This week of wrestling was really good. I can't wait till next week. They had some okay go-home shows for Raw and SmackDown. AEW was really good. They had some really good heel turns, really great storylines. NXT was fantastic. You know, we'll see Leon Ruff versus Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest soon. And then, you know, War Games. Get yourself excited for War Games because it's going to be fantastic. So if you want to question me, if you want to ask me anything, if you want to talk to me, just message me on Twitter at WrestlingFrom or on Facebook at Ray Colazzo. So this has been episode 12. Thank you for listening. I truly appreciate those who are still supporting me. Uh, Thank you again. You know, it means the world to me to have you guys uh, listening to me and just being by my side. So thanks for listening. Good morning. Good evening. Good night. Wherever you are.